Um, I mean, obviously, we played a good enough game to win it. Um, you know, just little errors. Um, bounce on on the one goal on the breakaway one with Mo breaking a stick, but I'm um, obviously not happy about it. Sometimes the hockey goes. Yeah, you know, you can't. Uh, it's tough to win when you, know, you give up leads in the third. And uh, you know, it's back to back games that we've won in with one goal lead and came out empty handed. So. It's probably not enough offense for us here tonight. You know, we, we uh, power plays early in the game and, and then, you know, throughout that, I just think we, we were sharp enough offensively. And, you know, they defended well, they didn't give us. And the Domi breakaway, I would say, was you know, one of the only times we really got behind them in the whole game. So, you know, I thought that they played a pretty simple game that way defensively, and, and as a result, you got to really earn your offense, and, and uh, you know, I don't think we weren't able to get enough going there. Hey, good Monday morning, Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Right now, right this second, mm -hmm. we are at the midway point of oh. the Toronto Maple Leaf season. Not during the game. No. Because that was game 41. Now okay. that game 41 is complete, oh. we got 41 more to go. And then, like, the off day between game 41 and 42. This this has to be the midway point. Welcome to the midway point, Brent. Okay. Uh, I was actually going to start with when you say good Monday morning. I say, mm, but is it? But but is it? Yeah. We only somehow got four NFL playoff games over the weekend. Mm. The Leafs playing two incredibly frustrating games that ended up similarly, but quite honestly feel so different. So I suppose sun, well, I was about to say sun has risen. Not yet. No. haven't seen it yet. It was minus 12. I looked at my phone, the little dashboard on my car is like, it, it didn't even give me a number. It's just yeah. it, she cold out there. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll get there to it. Being I went a good sledding one. with my kids. How was that? That was good. So it was a weird sledding circumstance, right? Icy, there was, I bet. No, there was snow. Okay. What was that? Saturday night? Friday yes. night? Friday night. Friday night. Yeah, it was like, oh, real snow. Winter has arrived. Mm -hmm. So much so that I was I was building like snowmen and we yeah. were sledding. And then when I woke up the next morning, it was all gone. <laughs> she gone. <laughs> Just like like it never happened. Like the world was an Etch-a-Sketch that was shaken overnight. You know, you know how I know that because, uh, you know, not to, not to brag, but now that I am fully suburban dad, it's like for Christmas, uh, my wife got me one of those. It's it's a power shovel. So it's basically like power a mini. Power shovel. It's basically a mini snowblower. It's like a, it's like a super fast <laughs> broom that like pushes the snow really? away. And I've I was, never seen that. Oh, but get to a hardware store. Okay. Uh, me and you, after the show, we'll go. I'm sure that's number one on your list outside yeah. of sleeping. Uh, but I was so excited. I saw the snow falling down the night oh. before. And I'm like, this is great. Yeah. I, and I and my wife, she was great. She got the kid up in the morning. So I like woke up on my own accord. And mm. I came down the stairs thinking, oh, it's going to be so good. And then I got a glimpse and it just rained. No. And all the snow was Mother gone. Nature taking care of the snow. Had for other you. ideas. Listen, I, I don't need uh, the electronic shovel. Uh, I got all the power. I need right here in the in my two guns. Okay, yeah, so cool. you you you'll be there with your electronic shovel. I'll just be doing yeah. it the old fashioned way. You you talk to me when you have a coronary uh, shoveling <laughs> snow one morning, and I have to I guess do it I won't myself. because I'll be dead. That's right. Yeah, and I'll go. Hmm, should have yeah. <laughs> given him the power shovel. <laughs> I hope you're taking a victory lap then I when will. I'm dead. hundred percent. I'll bring your whole okay. family in here to be like, you guys should have ponied up. <laughs> All right, it can be nice and alive. Back to the Toronto Maple Leafs, who uh, hit I don't know. Your death, Toronto Maple Leafs, feeling somewhat similar uh, after the weekend. Leafs now at the midway point, 21-12-8. Third straight game in which they've blown a lead, so that also means three straight losses. Mm. 
Uh, they blow the 3-0 lead to the Avalanche on Saturday after blowing the 3-1 lead mm-hmm. on Long Island to the Islanders. It was a couple of one-goal leads yesterday to the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of narratives coming out of the weekend, um, but now the the Red Wings find themselves a point back of the Maple Leafs, as do the Lightning. The Leafs have some games in hand here, but uh, I think the, the number one takeaway has to be Ilya Samsonov started in a hockey game and mm-hmm. did not destroy the Maple Leafs' chances of winning said hockey game. No, he he didn't. Uh, he didn't steal it for him, but I don't think anybody could have expected that. Uh, the fact that he did not throw up all over himself early on in the game, and you know maybe that's a super low bar for an NHL goaltender, that was the bar I, I needed to see. It was a super weak, kind of fluttery shot, his first of the game that hit him in the chest, and I said, all right. Went better than I expected, quite quite honestly. I was bracing myself for the first goal on the first shot. You know, there are moments you can pick at the the Daniel Sprong goal where he comes in, but it's a you know, it's like, do I love the do I love going full Dominic Hasek road hockey goalie there? No, but it's a breakaway with the defender who doesn't have a stick. You're not gonna kill him. There was the third goal, I think, where he does just kind of lose track of it. And I mean, that's he makes the a one. great save right before that. Yeah. Okay, but the game exists outside of the three second increments that you make really, really nice saves. So a building block for him for sure <laughs> to pick up on what Sheldon Keefe said. We heard it in the intro there. If the team is able to give him more offense, we probably don't sit here picking at those things. And we talk about a very different game. So yeah, I, I think he, I, I guess the best thing to say about Samsonov in his return is, I mean, it's just as indicative of the team in front of him, but he not the story today. And I actually think that is the best case scenario. for Yeah. Him. He, he made 20 saves on 23 shots. That's a robust 870 save percentage hey, and pulled it up. Right. Cause he was eight six seven, wasn't he? Well, and uh, secondarily to that at five on five, um, expect expected goals against were 1.24. He gave up three. He faced two high danger shots against mm-hmm. at five on five and gave up one goal amongst those. But yeah, the, no, the bar keep telling is, me was great though. Yeah. I I've, I've watched this, this guy previous at last check yeah. when he was starting against the Columbus blue jackets oh, single handedly yeah, costing the Toronto Maple Leafs a point in that game as they lose in overtime. Yeah. That's better than this. Better than the two goals from, like, the blue line that he allowed in Buffalo against the Sabres. So, yeah, the bar for this team should be average goaltending. You can quibble as to whether that was average or not. There there were a couple of saves, though, that were above average that go beyond the numbers. Um, But, yeah, they, they didn't score enough. They got three power plays in a hockey game. So, I mean, we can point to special teams. Uh, where do you want to start here? I think I think the line jumbling after the the critical comments from Sheldon Keefe on Saturday and and the pretty pointed minutes distribution against the Avalanche is probably the next place to go here. Where I, I there are a lot of you know issues specific that I want to point or pick at. But before we get into any of that, I just want to talk about how quick and I don't know. Feel free to push back on this if I'm wrong. It is remarkable to me. And I'm sure there are teams that have had swoons this year where it comes and goes just as quickly, but it feels to me like no team is the weather vane just spinning, spinning, spinning like the Toronto Maple Leafs. We are a week removed, and yes, some of these were couch statements because of the teams they had beaten. But in there was a Kings game as well. We're a week removed from talking about Kings this have team. Kings lost like a million in a row. Well, okay, but part of <laughs> that was beats the Kings part now. of that was the Leafs in there. And I think that we are a week removed from talking about the maturity that this team's showing, being able to in these ho hum games stick with it and find a way against the Ducks and avoid the trap game in San Jose and then avoid the trap game again against the Sharks at home. And a, not even a week later, six days after that, we are sitting here, rightfully so. 
on the verge of crisis. And it is remarkable to me how quickly the feeling of hope or whatever you want to call it just seems to evaporate in, in Leafland. Is well, that just me or do you feel no, differently? That's, that's what we I mean, when you talk about the Leafs and it being the center of the hockey universe and the discourse being extreme, this is what you're talking about. Now, mm. I mean, I don't know who specifically you're talking about when you're talking about it being a crisis point because that's not where I am. Here's where I am with this Leafs team. I thought we were going to build to this, but like sure. to, to me at the midway point, they, they've got obviously the high-end talent. They've got uh-huh. the high-end skill. And sure, could they win a cup? Sure, could they, they they go deep in the postseason? Sure, could they upset a few people? Of course. But I think they're right there in the middle of an Eastern Conference that doesn't have too many bona fide superstar-laden, bona fide Stanley Cup contenders, right? Like, they, they're, they're right there with that team they just played yesterday. They're maybe a cut below the Bruins and the Panthers, although the Bruins have kind of fallen on hard times recently. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that they're – they certainly don't look like the Avalanche at their absolute best, and I know the Golden Knights have gone through it right now. I, I think they're, they're just it, – it's a, it's a season in which – and the, the lack of cap growth over the mm-hmm. last couple of years is probably the reason why – where it's a very flat talent pool, and I think the Maple Leafs fit right into a, a very hmm, eh kind of season as far as the lack of, of of teams that really separate themselves from the rest in either conference, really. Yeah, I, I just, you know, as you say that, I, I pull up the Eastern Conference standings. I know we don't do that anymore. It's like wild card and stuff, but it's still fun to go old school, just Eastern Conference standings. By points percentage, here's the teams ahead of the Leafs. Hurricanes, Rangers, Panthers, Bruins. Feels about right to to me. I think they can hang with any of those teams. Yep. We've seen them hang with any of those teams. And, you know, the Avalanche game in particular is tough because I don't disagree with what, what Sheldon Keefe saw in that game. And, you know, maybe we'll play the clip. Maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll get to it later. But, you know, him referencing the idea of, yeah, we got a lot of stars on our team. But in a game with stars, the two stars on the Avs were better. But I've seen countless games in this Leafs era, in seasons where the Avalanche have gone on to win the Stanley Cup where the Leafs have had the better players in those games. So I don't look at that as some referendum. I think there is a, you know, and this is a way bigger topic of conversation I don't think we need to be doing on a Monday, but, you know, there is a definitely a difference in terms of the mentality, the makeup, the drive, whatever way you want to look at it from a McCarr McKinnon versus what we've seen out of this court. Like, I think that is a fair criticism to have, but I don't look at that Avs game as proof positive that the Leafs are second-class citizens in the NHL, even if you're looking at that top class as, I don't know, three, four teams deep, be it the Golden Knights and the Avalanche and whoever else you want to you wanna put there. I think that they're, the Leafs can definitely hang with those teams, and we've seen it in spades. It's it, Nobody wants to hear that, given the weekend that this team just had. But, you know, I look at that game against Detroit, and the reason it's so frustrating is because, to me, still head and shoulders above what that Red Wings team is, and that's why that game is so frustrating. If I think they're kind of all in the mushy pack, I look at it and go, eh, Back half of a back-to-back, weird start night. You have your goalie that you have no faith in back in the lineup, and that's how it goes. Okay, I'm not going to get too worked up about it. But the reason I am worked up about that Detroit game is because I think the Leafs are a miles better team than the Red Wings. Yeah, and they've beaten them uh, once in Sweden already this season. Yeah. And it's just Those one games off. Don't count. Yeah, I mean, uh, and that was a game that maybe they got outplayed, in, but uh, they for sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, scoreboard. Uh, they, they pick up the two points. But yeah, to your point about, uh, hey, the discourse being extreme on both sides. Yeah, that's 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 welcome kinda, to Leafland. <laughs> that's All right. the, fair, fair. That's kind of the deal. Actually, you know what? Before we move on to to maybe the line shuffling and the reaction from Saturday's game. 
Ilya Samsonov mentioned it. He was fine. He was, he, he didn't win them the game. The possibility existed for him to have done that. He could have. One more save and they get at least a mm-hmm. point in that game and maybe two in overtime in the shootout. Um, but yeah, he was better than 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 he's been the, for the majority of starts this season and and didn't cost them the game. Fans were ch- uh, cheering him right out of out of the gates, right? Mm-hmm. Like he gets a muffin, first shot on goal, and so and kind he, it of was whatever not, wings it, player that was. It was not a it was not a Bronx cheer. It was like. I don't know. I I I think I, I can feel sense, that way either. I think I can sense the intention of cheers. Okay, <laughs> that was an earnest cheering. He even got a Sammy chant later. We've done. In the we've ho- done. In should you game. boo? Now we're doing. Did they cheer? And yeah. I'm with you. I agree. No, it was a very sincere cheer, and they were chanting his name. They were chanting <laughs> Sammy in that game. Uh, I think so. Two things out of this marketplace. One is that yeah, there's there's extreme on both sides. Mm-hmm. Every every loss is doomsday. Every win is playing the parade, um, and that it's a very difficult place to play because of the the fan reaction, especially to play in goal because of the extreme nature of the takes, but also of the extreme harshness mm-hmm. of the fans playing in goal is so harsh. Mm-hmm. I mean. It, it's a different deal, obviously, if that muffin shot goes behind him and the Leafs are down one nothing. But is the perception um, does it equal the reality? Like, what, what what is it actually to 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 play in here, uh, to play in this market as a as a player, considering the fan reaction and and judging off of Ilya Samsonov's return to to the net yesterday? Okay, there's always one. We've talked about this before. The idea of the whipping boy, you know, Larry Murphy through the ages, through Justin Hall is the Justin most Hall. recent whooping, Got a cheer whipping yesterday. boy. Did get a cheer because he's no longer here. And again, we saw that goes. I don't think yeah, anybody's don't putting him in. guy uh, who's getting a, a a video tribute either. Tough. Unless you're unless you're John unless Navarro's. you're those savages on the island doing whatever it is they want to do, and that's booing John Tavares at, at any point in time. I think it's I think being a goalie for the Leafs is exactly like being a player for the Leafs. That guess what? When it goes bad, they'll let you know about it. Like, I think sometimes we think of it as a hard market and, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, I actually think the perception of how hard this market is, is perfectly in line with how people talk about it. There are some people who talk about it like it's too hard. There are some people who talk about it like it's a cupcake market. I think it's somewhat down the middle, but I think that because it generates the most eyeballs that if it's going extremely bad, you're going to hear about it. But guess what? You see what you saw last night where I'm with you. I don't think that was a Bronx cheer. They want everybody sitting in that building last night. And okay, maybe the Wings is a bad team for this example because there are actually Wings fans in that building. But 90% of the people sitting in that building, guess what they want to see? Ilya Samsonov find his form and make the goaltending question super complicated when Joe Wall comes back. Like best case scenario, that is what happens. But I also think that there's people sitting on their couch going, oh my God, you cheering for this guy? Yeah, guess what? I had the exact same reaction, but... If I put myself in where I have my Leafs jersey on and I'm sitting in the sitting in the upper bowl, guess what? I'm cheering for him too because you need this guy to find his form to have the best version of yourself. So I think that, yeah, they get down on you. And yes, they absolutely will Michael Hutchison wince or give you the Bronx cheer if you deserve it. But if you, des- if you don't like it, play better. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I no, tend to follow No, there's no unfairness. No, God, there's, no. There, there really is Well, okay. No, that's... a. Not with not with him right now. There has been unfairness in the past with your Justin Halls of the world where sure. you just pick a guy. That guy, and I don't mean this about mm-hmm. Justin Hall, but I mean that guy in particular, the defenseman whipping boy, 
I feel like that a lot of times is unfair. But yeah. when it comes to goaltending, I feel like you get a proper right. And, and that only happens because of the lack of overall success in the yep. postseason. And Bingo. not regular season success, right? Like we're talking about a team that routinely puts up 110 points during the regular mm-hmm. season. Anyways, um, I'm not going to kill the fans ever, uh, and especially when they're paying the amount of uh, uh, money that they are to get into the building to watch Toronto Maple Leafs play. All right, back to... The, the the blender mm. uh, situation. So Slap chop Sheldon. Uh, so you you really had a different look yesterday after the Saturday game against the Avalanche in which John Tavares was essentially benched for the third period. John Tavares um, was on a different looking line yesterday with Nick Robertson, Kelly Yarncroke as um, it was Max Domi centering a line with Mitch Marner, Tyler Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi and Marner hooking up for a nice little goal there mm-hmm. yesterday. Matthews with Nylander. And Pontus Holmberg mm-hmm. promoted to the top line, which means Matthew Nyes down to the fourth line with uh, Camp and Gregor. Uh, the D pairings a little similar, except or you know no Geo yesterday because mm-hmm. his old bones can't play in back to back games mm-hmm. all the time. So uh, Connor Timmins got back. I wonder in if they even do you think they were able to trick him that there was no game? Because remember the talk last year was hey can't restart the engine mm-hmm. once you sit him down. So they they. It's like they had Geo, they like named him a fake star in the Avs game to hang out. And then quickly Sheldon's like, all right, boys, big game tomorrow, but don't tell Geo. Yeah. And then Mark Giordano showing up to work. He's like, everyone's a wings game. When yeah. did that even happen? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But he, he wasn't <laughs> in there yesterday. But yeah, what'd you, what'd you think of the, the rejiggered uh, forward lines? I mean, for, at first blush, you look at it as Tavares, is he being punished? You know, I think that's the lens a lot of people look at these things through is not, is Sheldon Keefe doing this to get the best version of his team? But is this a wake-up call to somebody? Is this, you know, a messaging and I think there is some element to that. I mean, you look at the fact that he didn't get played much. I think it was three minutes in the third period of that that Avs game. And then you see who his line mates are. But I actually think that, you know, and I had this thought heading into the game, you know, for a guy like Tavares, if you feel like he's lost it or you feel like he's losing, you know, the offensive touch, and I don't mean overall, just in the last little while, we talked about the shooting percentage, how much it's dipped. You say, all right, Yaron Kroc and Robertson, I know two things about those guys. I don't know how well it's going to go, but I know they're going to work. Like, say what you will about Nick Robertson, and I have said a lot in terms of my his my feelings on his viability as a NHL middle six guy. He works, 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 and I think you saw that last night. You know, the, the fancy stats aren't the be-all and end-all. When you look at expected goals, the least lines, that was the best trio they, they kind of had last night. So that was the first blush. Look at it. Obviously, you know, Marner, you can also frame it from the idea of him not playing with one of the top two centers. But obviously, Domi is a little different than your, your third line center. I like the idea of shaking it up. And I really like the idea of spreading the offense up and up and down the lineup. I, I don't want this to be the Leafs game one lineup of the playoffs or anything along those lines. But for a team that was... It was, I mean, quite, quite honestly, reeling after blowing all the leads. They, mm. the the leads that they had, I had no issue with the the shakeup. You didn't like it? No, I. I here's okay. Reacting to the first thing about mm. hey, John Tavares, is this uh, a a wake up call to John Tavares? I can't think of a player on this Leafs team who least needs a wake up call. Well, right? that's the thing, though. Is it is it coaching the other three through him? I don't know if you do that either. I I think it's just that that's the. I mean, we're talking about the. 
on the, there was a graphic, sports and graphic that called them the core five for the first. I've never seen the core five because now Morgan Riley is an, an all star. So that's why. Yeah, but okay, of the core four guys, he's the guy that's going worst right now, right? Mm-hmm. And and it goes beyond the the lack of goal scoring and yeah, specifically. Well, I'll, power I'll be play. honest, I haven't I haven't liked what I've seen out of Marner. I thought he was good last night. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a fair amount of jump. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like seven shot attempts halfway through the second period or something mm-hmm. along those lines. So I thought he had a lot of jump, but I don't know. Like I, I feel like that there's been wanting. Quite honestly, outside of Matthews, there's been wanting from and Riley, the core five lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been good, though. Uh, no, no, John no. Tavares, there, there's just no question about it. The last four or so games, certainly during this three-game losing streak. I think in theory, would I like the Leafs to be able to just roll four lines like they've seen so often during the postseason and, yeah, have a little bit more equal... Uh, minutes distribution up and down the lineup. Of course, I, I'd love that. There's just not enough depth on this team to create offense that way. And I think that's what you saw yesterday. I just, and I, I like the little chemistry that mm-hmm. happens between Domi and Marner. Like, I think that there's there's no doubt that that exists. But I, I, I just, I don't see the offensive threat in the bottom two lines if you're doing that. I just... I in well, theory I so like it. So that means Tavares' line is the third line, like just the way you're yes. phrasing it, the bottom two lines. Oh, oh, just yeah. clar- just clarifying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Obviously. do you disagree? No, I I don't disagree, but I also think that, and this just goes to Robertson. This is a point that you know uh, has been made a lot about guys trying to find their footing. If Nick Robertson had arrived somewhat close to what he was, and forgot what he was supposed to be, mm. but just, you know, like Austin Matthews has been in training camps talking about how he has the second best shot in camp because Robertson here. Now, part of that is the eye rolling. You mm. always want to build up your teammates, but he wouldn't say it if he didn't believe there was some credence to how good mm-hmm. of a shot Robertson has. By so the I, way, their praise, Matthews and Marner, yeah. uh, it, it has great impact on the decision-making. Like Pontus Holmberg, yes. top-line left winger yesterday because there was a couple of days of just like pure gushing mm-hmm. about uh, sneaky skill. My and favorite Mitch, player. Mitch Marner's favorite player. Lo and behold, he ends up getting a boost all the way up to the well, the top of the Leafs lineup. Well, and if you're if you're worried about the lack of scoring up and down the lineup, then I think you have to question how much how real do you think that is? Cuz let's say I don't think, you know, Pontus Holmberg, I don't want to overstate it, but let's say he can be the classic just a guy cog on a line with two really skilled guys, be it Matthews and Marner, be it Matthews and Nylander. Then all of a sudden, I don't I don't actually want, uh, this might shock you. I actually don't want Matthew Nyes on the fourth line. I think he should probably go into the top six. And then all of a sudden you're looking, let's just say it's a world where it's Tavares, Yarncroc, and Nyes. And all of a sudden you don't look at that as a line with no punch. You don't look at it as a line that put them out there. They're going to get you a goal. But why can't that line cycle, cycle, cycle and have Nyes or Tavares bang one home? Like I can easily see the recipe for that. And then all of a sudden you have your your Domi and Marner kind of partnership and whatever you want to do on, on the other side there, you know, be it, be it a Robertson. I don't want that there. I think I want kind of a more steady player, but maybe that's a home for a Bobby McMahon and he's the guy up and down. Like, I think there's, I think this is part of the problem with the spot. The Leafs find themselves in the standings. And these are the conversations we were having back in October of what the plan, what the roadmap should be for this team. There's a world where you can kind of workshop that and want to see it for 10 games but they don't have the wiggle room to play around. And now ah, let's see if this is the best version of our lineup. I don't think they they want to do that because they really want to get rolling again the way they were mm-hmm. kind of, you know, before we talked about this most recent swoon. So I think there is actually a world where you can move these pieces around and tweak what you saw last night a little bit to have at least a more well-rounded three lines. And then you have your, you know, Camp, Gregor, 
player X on the on the bottom line. Yeah, they go out west to Alberta here starting tomorrow against the hottest team in the National Hockey League, a team riding a franchise record 10-game winning streak in the Edmonton Oilers, find themselves back. We should look at the lines for Zach Hyman hat-trick in that game. Yeah. Just might want to sure. that. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Calgary Thursday and then Hockey Night in Canada. Hockey Day in Canada mm. in Vancouver against the the Canucks. But, okay. <laughs> hockey, so you, hockey afternoon even, not night in Canada. Over right, there for them it's hockey. So sad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it, standings-wise, it is, I don't want to call it a precarious position, but mm-hmm. they are a single point up on the Red Wings for third in the Atlantic. And the Red Wings and Lightning are both tied for that final wild card spot with 49 points. They do have two games in hand on Detroit. They have three games in hand on the Lightning. Um, these these games have been tough to watch because of the, the, the blown lead nature of them. It's not like they're getting blown out nope. in these hockey games. This this team at times has has shown that yeah the the two points in the standings are very important specifically I'm I'm taking you back to the California road trip in the back end of back to backs after mm-hmm. the win over the Kings not just the starting of Martin Jones and goal on the back end of that back to back but also the playing of Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews 25 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> the back end of back to backs I I do still think that there's not that you're like experimenting that it's like about development or mm-hmm. figuring things out yep. with this team but I don't. I don't think you should be reacting to the standings as much as maybe you believe that they they will in the coming days. I think you still, like, if this is the way you think best sets you up yep. for success when you get to the postseason, let's, let's see it for a while then. I guess I should clarify where I'm at because it's not so much about the standings. It is about putting together a run of good hockey that's longer than... You know they've had the they've had a nice ten game stretch once in this season already. I think it's about them putting. They had a four game winning streak before this three game losing streak. Yes, and again, <laughs> but but how? What was the asterisk put on that? Bad teams, sharks, sharks, ducks, and the Kings, who apparently suck now as as Eight well. Eight straight losses. Yeah, okay, they might they might actually suck, but it also might just be as we've said, mushy middle NHL. Cam Talbot forgot how to play goal for a week, and all of a sudden, look look at where you're at. So I don't think it's a necessarily that this team much like every year where we have these conversations of, eh, are the least worried about the play? No, they're not. Because guess what? Now, however you feel about Detroit, however you feel about Tampa, you, maybe you feel these teams are closer than I do, but the Leafs are better teams than both those teams. And I just expect them to, so long as they have a healthy NHL goalie, which is far from a certainty on this team, but so long as they have one of those, I just expect them to continue to stack points at a nature that's above what those other two teams are chasing them that are capable of. So I don't think they need to worry about it. But I think between now and the trade deadline, Treliving wants to see the best version of this team. And that is not to say you can't experiment a little here, a little there. But what exactly do I have? What exactly is it I'm adding to? And I don't think it's even a question of what is it that this team needs. I think it's very apparent what it is that this team needs. It's help on the blue line. And then, you know, maybe another tweak of the body of a body up front. I think that is what this team is looking at. And I don't think Treliving needs to see that to figure it out. I think he needs to see what this group is capable of to know all right, what am I what am I using here? I have X many chips well, how, at my disposal. How much should I how, push them how in? How all in do I go? Exactly. Right. Um how <laughs> uh how close to the, the the best version of this core uh am I getting? Like is this the best season to be pushing all in? Like obviously you're trying That's to win every every year, mm-hmm. but now that you know well, the Brunway is pretty long. Like I, I I know it's only a four year extension for Ozma. He's gonna be here for the 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 entirety of his prime. 
William Nylander is going to be here for eight more years Forever. beyond this year. Mitch Marner is going to sign an extension. John Tavares is going mm-hmm. to re-up at, uh, at no money, apparently. But, yeah, so <laughs> more the, than – more. Again, it must be stated, not 800 grand. Mm-hmm. Like, people have seen Gio and Spezza, and they think of John Tavares as 47 years old already. Mm-hmm. Might want to dial that expectation up a hair. Yeah, you're you're going to get more kicks at the can than just this season. All right, let's go back quickly to, to Saturday. Um, mm. So I mentioned the Leafs got three power plays yesterday. Yeah. Which is more than the Red Wings got. Mm. And... You, you got to score on those power plays. When you, you do. when you when you get six minutes in in power play time, mm-hmm. didn't necessarily look all that dangerous. In fact, there was a, a number of different shorthanded opportunities yes. for the Red Wings in that hockey game. Quite notably, not a a bunch of power play opportunities for them on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, the, okay, caveat. Yes, they didn't play well after the first period against the yep. Avalanche. Like that's that's clear, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying that they win the hockey game if the correct call is made in the third period when Austin Matthews is cross-checked into the, the corner. They probably still don't. It, it does stand out, though, when one of the, what, two biggest stars in the league mm-hmm. in a in a close hockey game gets injured yeah. on a play that, I mean, is plainly seen. Is it, is it not like in a scrum or anything? I don't know what you're talking about. The ref didn't see it. And, and it's not called. Now, this is a market that we, we've seen some... Some head coaches go after officials pretty directly. Oh. Darko Ryakovich is, at this point, the poster child for that this season. The patron saint of of ref complaining. Yeah. He's he's the guy that maybe broke the dam down. uh, Maybe we'll play some of Mike Brown, uh, his uh, media availability, (laughs) Kings coach, who was uh, ejected yesterday. Uh, and uh, and brought a laptop to the to the podium to legends co- complain Honestly, about the officiating. Anyway, so that was stark contrast to Sheldon Keefe, who just said, "I was told he went into the boards mm-hmm. on his own. Uh, he was more critical of his team through means of of being uh, very praiseful yep. of the Avalanche, but a different tact for mm-hmm. for a couple of Toronto coaches over the last couple of days." So. I made this point when Darko went on his rant that it's very different doing this. And I feel like I said these exact words that it is very different to do that when you're the head coach of the Raptors than it is when you're the Leafs. That would be like the Lakers coach saying, now we never get any calls. Now, different leagues, star calls exist in one. They do not exist in the other. I, I, if I'm going to give Sheldon the benefit of the doubt, and I don't even think I need to, because he'd say, ah, no, I handled that the way I wanted to. But if you're somebody who said he should have lit up the officials for missing that call on Matthews, I think the reason he didn't, at least part and partial, is because he, to him, that would be letting his team off the hook. Going out there and ripping a, stri- a stripe off of the stripes, saying, oh, these guys, they cost us the game or at least cost us the opportunity. That's one of the star players. He's going to be the face of this league. He yeah, already he is. is. Yeah. Then I think that is seen. We're coming on here, not me, but there are people coming on here today going, look at this guy. He doesn't even want to take his stars to task. Is looking for anything else in the world to blame for the way that game went. So I can understand why he doesn't take that tact now to deal with the officiating of it all. It's not just the missed 
call on Matthews. That in and of itself is egregious. That is a clear as day. You know, I've heard the argument of, oh, that play happens 500 times a game. and I, No, it doesn't. And I think Bourne made a great job or did a great job of highlighting this the pregame last night. Yes, little cross checks happen a thousand times a game. Not Leaning a full. Into a guy. Well, he he basically was like, "What's my max bench, and is it over the two thirty ish that Austin Matthews weighs?" Let's find out. Let's see if I do that with some violent action. Oh, look, it, uh, I can I can do more than that. Then you have the slash on Lilligren that gets missed seconds later or later on on that shift McCabe with a infinitely less egregious cross check the refs running over themselves it's like Wes McCauley is like don't worry I'm here Eric Furlot he who called the pick against Justin Hall don't worry I am here as well I don't even know if those guys were the officials, but you understand the point I'm making here. I, I was impressed that you, yeah, you, no. you, no, those <laughs> you are just, looking at the those officials. Are just the, those are just the two ghouls okay. of Leafs officiating. Uh, uh, there, it's like Carrie Frazier, patron saint. Those guys working on it, like they're the alive people. They need one or two more miracles uh, to go their way before they're fully there. But I look at it and I think that that's the part that drives you. Nuts. And we've done the thing a million times. Does this team play aggressively enough? Do they have enough jerks to get power plays? Are they better off with, and here's a, here's another question for this year. If the idea that of how this works out, and it typically does, that penalties more or less even themselves up throughout mm-hmm. the course of games, uh, with the least penalty kill that stinks as bad as it does, maybe no penalties in the game are a better thing for this least team. So I get the frustration. I've done the complaining a million times. That one was egregious, and I love it. I love the, come on, Sheldon, take the fine. I've said it a million mm-hmm. times. I actually, for once, understand why it didn't happen in that game because he did not want to take his team off the hook. I agree with you. I would add a couple more logs to the, the fire Please. Here. Um, Let's get toasty. I know Darko Ryagovich, like he's, he's not silent during the course of a game, but I think mm, Sheldon Keefe's MO is, I mean, if you polled NHL officials, oh, they don't like him. Yeah. I would say that he's in the upper tier of, of in-game complaining, letting his feelings be known. And secondarily, we're doing his job, right? The Nick like nurse of the, of NHL officials, you might say. Yeah. He doesn't, coaches. He, he doesn't need to take the officials to task because they all eyeballs. I exist, yeah. yeah. Well, it, this is, a very loud media market when it comes to this team. That game happened two games ago, right? We're here on Monday talking about it mm-hmm. because it was one of the most notable incidences over the weekend of hockey. So he doesn't need to, to put it on everybody's radar. It's always anything that stands out and certainly a star player um, being slightly injured in a cross check yep. in a very close game between two Stanley Cup contenders mm-hmm. is going to be notable. We're, we're going to do the job for Sheldon Keefe. He doesn't need to put it on our radar. It's always going to be on our radar. I'd also, you know, I already gave uh, Justin Bourne credit for a great point he made on the on the pregame show that lasted. It was great. It was like a whole other mm-hmm. edition of Kipper and Bourne, or real Kipper and Bourne uh, on the pregame show. Kipper nailed it as well. That, you know, Austin Matthews, I think it was Jamie Benn who hit him with the cross check last year, well, two, three years ago. Yes. Okay. We've seen this movie before, and I don't know what Mitch Barner's going to do other than say a mean word. I mean, what? That's we, what he did. You don't think I, he I said a mean well, word? I do. And again, like, we commended this guy for getting punched in the face by Matthew Kachuk in the playoffs last year and standing there and taking it like a man. So the bar is where the bar is for this team. But Kipper nailed it. Gregor is standing there. Looking at the Jumbotron, like, mm. hmm, I wonder what's coming on the movies next week. Oh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I got to check that one out. I don't know what he was doing. Prote- Again, this and this is where we talked about it. Of, oh, is this a different least team, the way they respond to things? It goes back to the Marshawn incident against Lilligren against Boston, where people went, oh, that, 
mm, looked a little weird. I wasn't quite sure what happened. Who cares? Your guy yeah. down. The Crumpled. guy. The only one that matters, quite frankly. Sorry, goalies. Sorry, mm. the rest of the core five. Sorry, Brad for living. That's the guy. That's the meal ticket there. And for Gregor to say, hold on. They're going to give me a good angle of this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I then will feel I need to adjudicate something here. What, what are you going to do? Get retroactively mad four and a half minutes after it happened? So, drove me nuts. I understand who's on the ice. I understand what this team is. And maybe that's why people want them to go get Car- yeah. Corey Perry. I, I know. It's not this simple. But I when I see stuff like that, and, like, if your friend, like, just, like, mm-hmm. in your... your t- <laughs> And they're and they're so, they're like the best friends. If you're you saw your friend get injured as the direct result of somebody's actions, would you would you, would you not would you not be perturbed? Apparently not. Okay, whatever. Who knew? Uh, the Toronto International Boat Show returning to the Entercare Center at Ex- Exhibition Place uh, from January 19th to the 28th. Giving away tickets to the event, ballots for a chance to win their grand prize, a Prince Craft fishing boat with a Mercury engine and trailer. We also have our own VIP prize, which includes dinner for two, a $100 shopping spree at the show, and an overnight stay at the Weston Harbor Castle. Just listen for the code words on our show today until January 19th. Text the code word to 59590, and you will be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is fishing boat. We have another code word tomorrow, so be sure to tune in. All right, still so much to get to on this Monday morning program, including... Uh, four six of the way through Super Wild Card Weekend, but coming up next, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, maybe in Buffalo. It's still snowing apparently. Um, but yeah, the Raptors back in action after a eh, man road trip is certainly was not capped in style. They got the Celtics tonight. Uh, we'll get into that next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet five ninety. The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bad Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan band, and his friend Gunning. So... Raptors road trip finishes at two and four. Things get adjudicated a little bit differently in LA against the Lakers, three and three. Very acceptable. Two and four is also acceptable. It's not good though. It's like nobody's gonna argue two and four is good, especially retroactively looking at that mm. Warriors win and mm. way to go, Steph Curry and the <laughs> Warriors, who, by the way, uh, are likely to get Draymond Green back against the Grizzlies today on MLK Day. So full slate of games in the NBA. Uh, it's a national holiday south of the border. But yeah, it's fine. We, just like, can we get one of those? Like, I know we have family day. Family the, the day fakest, is what we got. God, it's like, that, is, that is the most, uh, I forgot to do that part of my homework until I'm asked to present it. It's like, oh, that's great. A new holiday. This is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it'll help with depression and, you know, seasonality. And and what is it called, this wonderful holiday? Oh, crap. Uh, family day. Mm, that's so, good. All holidays should be family day, you would think. But that one specifically yeah, to yeah. honor the families. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know if we'll be working that one or not. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel, I, I've, I've I feel worked like, more like, than a few family days. I feel like uh, here's the here's the dirty secret. Like all things in sport, it really just depends how the team in season yep. is doing at any given point. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The Leafs ain't gonna start sucking so bad that we're not gonna have to work that day. So tell your family yeah. to so, kick rocks. Mine too. It'll be other people's family <laughs> day. All right, uh, Raptors. Yeah, I've lost three straight, and they got the Celtics tonight, so that that's that's a rough one. Um, 
Friday was ex- exceptionally rough. That, that's what, the, the fourth most points they've ever given up in a basketball game, 145 to the, the Utah Jazz. Okay, things, certain aspects of this team still remain good, but like, has some of the the the, the shine worn off this team since the trade, uh, the way that, that road trip finished? I just want to preface this answer with him. I may dislocate my shoulder patting myself on the back here, but it all depends what you thought was plausible heading into this. You know, such brilliant minds such as myself said two and four is very plausible. Even if we like all of the pieces that this team got back in the trade and we like the move that happened. And that's exactly what I think we've seen here is that this is a team that clearly made a good trade for them. This is a more watchable, it is a more successful, it's a more fun basketball team after the OG Ananobi trade. But it is also far, far, far from a finished product. And I don't mean that in terms of what this thing will look like ultimately, three, four, five years, who knows down the line. But I mean, this isn't a finished product because they still got one more trade to make. And that's the thing I keep waiting for is the other shoe to drop because I feel like they wanted to see if they could catch lightning in a bottle and everything fit together seamlessly. But the piece you were waiting to see how well it fit in, Pascal, he's been hurt for a bunch of this and has not played a bunch of these games. And I suppose you could say that one, that, that gives him reason to he wait a little. one game. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was two and then two is it's a third of the trip and then you feel differently about it. But I guess if it's just the one, yeah, you're right, that – I guess they've seen the returns there. And again, it just emboldens my point further. Make the trade. I've been asking about that. I've been begging for this for two years. You've told me it could happen. You showed me it could with a good OG and an OB trade. Go make another good trade. Yeah, he's going to be traded. I would think. Um, I've been told this before. Mm, I, I understand the reasoning why you would want to, you know, re-sign him to an extension then revisit the the trading of, of the player at next year's trade deadline because – there is a six-month waiting period you have to, to to go through if you re-sign him. So there's not like a an extension coming at the deadline and then this offseason at the draft you trade Pascal Siakam. If you re-sign him in season and would have to be in season, um, you can trade him at next, next year's trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I understand like intellectually the reason why you might do that because you're hoping for a better return for a player that's yeah, approaching 30 years old. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off here. Please, like, we're, we're please. Ready. There are there are things that you can you you can ex- expand on that you can expect growth from with this team. We're in a different era of Raptors basketball than the one Pascal Siakam existed in. Very good player, and all of a sudden has learned how to shoot the three the last month or so. It was four or five from three on Friday again against the Jazz. Missed the one game with the back spasms after falling in the Lakers game, and and yeah, I was of the belief that man, there is a possibility. Not an outside chance that Pascal Siakam with this R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly core could really open some eyes here, come up with some signature wins. And I guess the possibility still exists because the schedule doesn't get a whole lot easier. They got the Celtics tonight and they got the heat coming up after that. But I I think the die is pretty well cast that this is not going to be like some championship contender looking team with him. So let's move off of Pascal Siakam. Let's just get this thing to the finish line with that and whatever the, the best offer you receive uh, that like there, there's not, this should not be what appear apparently has been the case the last couple of years where you have your own price. And if it's not met, the, mm-hmm. the trade doesn't get made. No, you take all your offers and you just choose the best one of the deadline and you move off of the player. I, I couldn't agree more. I, the other thing I think we should probably talk about 
uh, within this stretch. And I want to be clear, I'm not a believer in this, but I think this is a big, big talking point for the better part of a year now is, you know, this team, this was what was said before the trade last year. This team's going to look different when they get their center, you know, and I don't know that everyone knew it was going to be Jakob Pertl, but then they made the Pertl trade, and there's some belief that, ah, with a real big man, this team looks different. And, yes, it certainly helps more more than it hurts, but what credence, if any, do you lead to, ah, maybe we feel differently about this trip. Maybe they're able to squeak out one or two more of those wins, and we feel very differently about it if they have Pertl. I'm not necessarily a believer in that, but I think the idea that, you know, again, say what you will about the trade, but we are less than a calendar year removed from them trading a first round pick for a guy Mm -hmm. and they missed him and we're sitting here burying them like how much credence do you give to it's a different world that Pirtle plays in some of these games. And especially on Friday against a Jazz team that can throw some size at you coming off the bench and Jonte Porter has shown something. It's it's Jonte Porter right like you're you're counting on. He has like no knees or no ACLs one of the two. Yeah Yeah, no no doubt. I guess he would technically have knees. Knees, I, yeah, yeah, that's tough. Like his <sighs> leg man? Does, is it does bend <laughs> yeah. in the middle, that's so good. he has knees. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, Jakob Pertl should not make or break this Raptors team, right? I mean, it does speak to the lack of depth at that position. It also speaks to the lack of the lack of depth that exists on this Raptors team in general, which is more to the point of the problem the last couple of years. Uh, secondarily, um, Raptors have been really good scoring since the trade, no doubt. Uh, they've not been so good defensively. And I mentioned 145 points put up against them, a, a bottom five performance as far as points allowed in franchise history against a good mm-hmm. Jazz team. But all the numbers across the board defensively, and naturally when you're giving away a guy who's a defensive player of the year candidate in OJ Ananobi, you're, you're not going to improve defensively. But they've been pretty bad. Like they've been bottom 10 in the NBA as far as defensive rating is mm-hmm. concerned since the trade. Now the offense has been way up. And all of a sudden, they can shoot threes. Like, at a pretty impressive rate, part of that is Pascal Siakam, but part of that is acquiring a guy in Emmanuel Quickly who's a near 40% career three-point shooter. R.J. Yep. Barrett's obviously off to a great uh, start shooting the three. If I had my druthers, though, Brent, would I rather be a good defensive team or a good offensive team considering the environment that exists mm. in the NBA in 2024? I think I would take the good offense. But this is going to be a growing issue is how can this team limit the opposition while still maintaining what has been a much more – the reason they've been much more watchable since the trade is because they have the possibility of putting the basketball in the basketball net. Uh, and I don't want to lose that. I'd mm-hmm. rather have that than a really good defensive team, which they weren't uh, when they had OG and OB this season either way. But that being said, it's it's a growing issue. I think the question has slightly different answers. I don't know that they're all that different. In a vacuum, I agree with you. Like, you'd rather have the offensive team than the than the defensive team. I think there's some argument to be made that for a championship ceiling, a defensive team that can play offense versus a, you know, an offensive team that can play a little defense, I'd rather have the, the first one I listed there. But we just had this conversation about the Blue Jays all last year long. If you're going to stink, at least mash. If this is going to be a mushy middle team that is in the play-in tournament, or maybe sometimes they're a seven seed and we think that's them doing really well, run up and down the court, chuck it, play with abandon, score a bunch of points. And the uh, the reason why they're struggling defensively, I think the pearl part of that is actually much bigger than, than we're sure. kind of touching on here. The other part of it as well is, yeah, you lose OG, and obviously that is your best defender. Now, I think what they lost there is at times a little overstated because, quite frankly, you can ask Scotty to do a lot of those things. Obviously, it diminishes what he can give you offensively. But the other part of it is that they want to run up and down the floor more, and you're a worse defensive team because you took away – 
your best defensive player. And now you're playing a faster game where there's more possessions. You just look at it quickly wants to run. They have capable passers in transition for so long with this team. If it wasn't Pascal or Scotty getting the ball in the open court running, things would kind of get gummed up. Things would kind of get slowed down. And when you look at quickly, you look at Barrett, these guys are such willing, capable passers or finishers in, in transition Barrett more so than quickly there. I think that's what leads you, you to this as well. So it's twofold. The defensive problems aren't going anywhere, but neither should the offensive ability for this team. And, and much like I said at the beginning, it's the Blue Jays conundrum of it all. Okay. This team, we're going to just start with the caveat, and I think it's much easier to do this in the NBA than it is in Major League Baseball. We'll start with the caveat that the Raptors are not winning the Larry O'Brien trophy. They're not winning the title. Mm -hmm. So give me this rather than a sloggy team that can occasionally really lock in and play good defense, Mm -hmm. and maybe that nets them two more wins over the course of a year. Give me this version all day, especially in this era of a winning cycle. Yeah, you don't need to be a great defensive team for 48 minutes to to be a great team overall in 2024 in the NBA. You got to find your moments where you lock down defensively and shut down the opposition and 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 gain that defensive focus and you got to be able to score though. You got to be able to shoot three-pointers. Like there's just there's no world in which the Raptors get to the the place that they want to get with the offense they previously had. So at least there's a step in the right direction. Darko kind of letting the cat out of the bag as well when asked about, hey, process over results and like, what are you looking for here? Talking about, hey, we're all competitive guys and we want to win daily, but we have to have a a big picture view of of what we're doing here. And the age of Emmanuel Quickly and Scotty Barnes and RJ Barrett and, you know, the lack of Mm -hmm. reps that they've had with this team, and the trade that's probably upcoming for Pascal Siakam, I think everybody gets it here. Now, the, the, it can't it can't be like a ten game losing streak type of season, or you know, where you're 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 really up the track, uh, because I think that does wear mm-hmm. on these guys. But yeah, clearly, it's it's not a it's not a, a Sheldon keep playing no. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, twenty five minutes a game type of season. No, and just to just to back up those pace numbers on the season as a whole. Raptors sit 16th, pretty kind of right smack dab in the middle in terms of pace number, just the rating of how fast you play in, in the game. Over the last six games, they are sixth in the NBA in, yeah. in pace. So the, the the possessions are up, they're playing faster, and that's only going to lead to more buckets for them, but also for the opposition. Uh, they have the Celtics tonight, which would be a nice litmus test coming off the six-game losing, think, or six-game road trip, three-game losing streak. I think I know how it's going to go. I don't know. Celtics have been a different team away from home. They have not lost at home, but mm-hmm. yeah, not nearly as dominant on the road this season. All right, when we come back, talk to our pal Gord Stelix, the Toronto Maple Leafs following up a four-game winning streak with a three-game losing streak after uh, dropping yet another lead and two points to the Red Wings yesterday. Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.